Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help churches in the UK thrive by helping them think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week, I'll be talking through a different aspect of church life along with some very special guests. If you like this podcast, why not subscribe, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get into this week's episode. Well, hey there, welcome to the Thinking Church podcast. This is Chris Bright and this is our very first podcast of what I hope is many podcasts and uh, we started this podcast because we want to help you think through some really key strategic topics in church life and Thinking Church is a facilitation company which means that we bring a process of change that will help your church get healthy what we don't do is come in and give cookie cutter solutions and tell you what to do Uh, what we try and do instead is just help you think better so that you can come up with great solutions And uh, what we're doing at the moment, if you go to our website, www.thinking.church, we have a place where you can sign up to our mailing list. And then when you do that, we'll give you a free 10-day health check. And what that basically is, is just 10 days that you can go through with your team. And it'll ask you some great questions to have great conversations with your team about the health of your church. And it'll go through things like your finances, your uh, you personally as a leader it will go through your team dynamic your mission uh, how you're discipling people lots and lots of things 10 days and at the end of it I am pray that you will have a greater perspective of how your church is functioning and the areas that maybe you need to change as well um, so uh, feel free to go and do that just go to our, to our website www.thinking.church Okay, on to the conversation today, and today we are joined uh, with Dale Sellers. He is the guy with the uh, American accent that you'll hear. Uh, Dale is a a great friend of Thinking Church, and he runs an organization in the United States called uh, the 95 Network. And the 95 Network, uh, they do similar to what Thinking Church do, uh, but they exist specifically for small to mid-sized churches, which make up the 95% of churches in in the United States and uh, Dale is a a really great father figure to lots and lots of church pastors in the United States and he's got so much wisdom to bring uh, to the table and also with the United States being a few weeks ahead of us in terms of reopening after COVID he's got a lot of insight and perspectives that he can bring to the post-COVID world and what he's starting to see already. And I'm sure you will absolutely love this conversation. The other person that you can hear on this uh, interview is our founder, Lee Button. And uh, it was a great pleasure to start Thinking Church with Lee. And Lee, is um, he's a man of absolute wisdom and uh, a really great strategic mind as well. And I know that you'll love hearing what he's got to say as well. Okay, so let's get on with the conversation. Here is our, our conversation with Dale Sellers. Brilliant. Dale, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. How have you been finding doing church in the US during COVID-19 at the moment? Well, to be honest with you, uh, we've been busier at 95 Network than ever. We have been producing so much content and having so many conversations and doing webinars and podcasts and um, it, and just the ongoing nature of it has allowed us to really, really um, evaluate and speak into a lot of things. And so it's it's a busy time for us. It's It's been crazy. Brilliant, brilliant. And I, I heard you say something, I think it was Lee that told me this, was that uh, you talked about reopening Sunday services. Well, it wasn't like flipping a light switch, but it was more like a sunrise. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? Because I think it's a great, it's a great sentence, but what, were you, what do you mean by that? Well, I think most of us were hoping that uh, this thing would have gone away by now. That's kind of what we would had, had, had look for. And um, I, I know, um, especially in the U.S., that uh, a lot of it has uh, proven to be more of a process than just a single event. And, and when, when it hit here, we, we had the impact of it kind of like being punched. Um, but then uh, we had Easter coming up. And so Easter served as a, as a, a distraction. So everybody put all their energies and trying to figure out how are we going to do Easter? How will we connect with our people? And, and so we put a lot of energy into that. And then once 
once Easter was over with, I think most of our pastors kind of went into depression because this thing wasn't over yet. Uh, and honestly, um, I don't. I think it's going to be a long-term thing uh, as as the reopening happens. And uh, if you did not already have a strategic plan in place built around your mission and vision before this hit, then you're you certainly don't have one now. And so I just think that what's happened is, is because the thing uh, is not opening quickly. It's not like okay, to, uh, this coming Sunday everything's back to normal, uh, because that's not happening. It has left us in uh, in la la land, <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, because it, uh, you know it's going to be a while. And and uh, and in the U.S., you know, we're this is a big landmass, and and we have different regions and and so some states are doing really well, and some states are not doing really well, and some states are not going to reopen for a very long time, and some have already reopened, uh, and so there's just a lot of ambiguity in this whole process. I think that's the thing that like you said about just then at the end about the ambiguity. Actually, you need something to crystallize, get some clarity around what you are going to do. Because the moment you can give clarity to the people that were in your church and those who may have come across your church and are now engaging with you, the more clarity you give, the more likely they are to feel some sense of security in a time of you know disquiet, but also that sense that you're doing things well and that they can trust you and engage with you um ongoing and actually because people need clarity rather than not knowing and like you said with the different stories and the different trends and the narratives and you know it, it'd only be like us trying to take uk advice by looking elsewhere in europe state to state in america so you know we can we can appreciate the you know what you hear of elsewhere but there's also what's happening locally I think, too, what this thing has done is it has revealed um, that a lot of our churches have no idea why they meet. Uh, you know, one of the things we talk about, you guys as well as I do, when we work with churches, is getting clear, a clear mission and vision. And our mission is why we exist. What I, most churches have no idea why they exist. They just gather because that's what they've always done at a certain time on a Sunday morning, typically. And, uh, and, and they just get together and they don't, there's no real purpose behind it other than doing church. That's not going to work going forward. You've got to have a, you've got to do a really good job of clearly communicating why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, um, so for the UK, uh, we'll be starting up, uh, services back on the 4th of July, Independence Day. And congratulations. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It feels like an Independence Day. And uh, we'll, we'll be allowed services up to 30 people, no singing allowed. I know in, in the U.S. that you've already reopened services. A lot of churches have already, already started those in-person gatherings. Um, what should we be thinking about? Now, I think when we're thinking about reopening church, I think first off, I think you've already hit on, like, why do we, do, why do we gather? And I think that's the, the first question. But but after that, what's the next things we need to think about? Once we've got clarity on, on why we gather, what are other things we need to think about when we're approaching reopening our services? Well, I, this is kind of my personal opinion. Uh, but personally, I, I really don't want to attend a service where you can't have your regular worship service. And what I mean by that is if you can't have singing, if we can't fellowship and shake each other's hand, give each other a hug, however we do things, if you don't have full-blown children's ministry, um, I just think we've, we're going to have to adapt these in-person gatherings to be refl more reflective of how we are allowed to congregate. So an example would be if, you know, if you've got a gathering of 100 people uh, before the pandemic and now you can only have 30 people, uh, then I would adapt some temporary gathering measures, like maybe just uh, having one person lead music with an acoustic guitar or a piano. Um, and then um, and then curtail what you're doing to really meet people where they are. Um, you know, th there's a lot of things that um, th that we go through that uh, that we can, it's okay to adjust on the fly, and we've had to do that. And, and it's okay to do things differently, and it's okay to do uh, a new ways of ministering to your people. Um, Man, th uh, th this should this should be at the forefront of our hearts, and uh, and what we've dealt with here in the U.S. We didn't really talk about this at the beginning, but you know, uh, I've been amazed by the churches that were already very strong with their online presence, um, who have fought and worn themselves out and put so much energy in trying to produce online what they do when you gather in person. 
And, 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 and it, to me, that seems such, there's such a disconnect there because I, you know, if I'm watching in my den or sitting at my kitchen table, uh, that, that's just like observing a service and not engaging in a service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I've been amazed by is the smaller churches who were not prepared, who did not have an online presence, who had to quickly change on the fly. And, and, and they come up with some really crazy things to do. You know, one of the things, I mean, it's not something I would want to go to, but a lot of our churches uh, bought FM transmitters and started ha- the staff and the worship team would come out and sing on the front porch or on a flatbed trailer. And people would come sit in their car and watch the service. Now I'm like, why don't you just sit at home and watch it online? But that's, that's, that's how I'm wired. I, I was excited because these, these ideas actually connected. And so as you gather, especially if it's being, if you're being limited for how you can gather, um, if you're being told you, you have to do things a different way, um, I just think there's never been more of an urgent time for the church leaders to be load lifters instead of piling on uh, the load or, or uh, being out of touch and not understanding what people are going through. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I've just seen a lot of churches that it just comes across like they just they want to get back to doing what they've always done at all costs. And I, I think you'll miss the mark if that's your goal. I think there's uh, on with that. I think there's an important piece that. Uh, you can't, as a church, at this time, try and imitate what another church is doing because oh. you all of a sudden got to shape everything you do uniquely to your attendance and who's coming. Whereas uh, we got, let's face it, a lot of churches got lazy with what we were doing as a Sunday oh, yes. experience. Mm-hmm. We we looked at you know we looked at bigger churches and these churches that we would aspire to be. We copy stuff sometimes a poor imitation, sometimes done really, really well. But we were losing the focus on who we were doing it for, and we created this experience. Now we're moving from experience to engagement, and we're realizing it has to be done differently. And I I really think that plays into the hands of the smaller churches to innovate more rapidly or more out of necessity. But, you know, what, what do you think of the resourcing aspect of that as well? You know, a smaller church with a team probably can't go back to having you know the online versus in person if you've got the one team it's like what's that going to look like as we move it forward as well well a lot of small churches the one the, their team is one guy or one lady one you know they have a just basically a pastor doing it all and one of the things i wanted to address too is that this is this has really amazed me is the amount of pastors that i have observed who had basically before covid hit had planned out their teaching schedule for the year maybe and so they're they're continuing to teach the same series they had planned to teach without any reference to what people are dealing with on a daily basis. And it's like, you know, I, I don't mind you doing the series, but you've got to relate to what people are going through. And so I, I think in the smaller setting and the smaller churches, to go specifically to your question, Lee, that you've got to connect with a few of your leaders uh, in your congregation and and find ways that you can individually or minister to the individual folks in your church based on what their needs are. There, there is no one size fits all. There is no um, uh, cookie cutter approach to this. Uh, what you deal with in the UK, some of the things we deal with are exactly the same and some of the things are not. And so it's, it's this, the word you use that I, I love that I wish everyone would lock in their mind is to be innovative and to find ways to connect with people in new ways. And, 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 uh, maybe you will do some things differently than you've done before, but this is the time to try things. And the other thing we want to remove from you is this fear of failure mentality. Small churches, uh, just small church leaders have this huge fear of failure. So they won't try new things because they're scared if they try new things and it doesn't work, that it's going to shut the world down. Well, it's not. So try some things, try new ways to minister to your people. Um, you know, basically just look for a need and, 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 and fill it, you know, mm-hmm. find a hurt and heal it, uh, meet people where they are and, and don't be scared of failing uh, as you attempt to try to do ministry in, in this new, this new time. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah, certainly. I think that there's, um, so I've heard a lot of people talk about the need to get back into the building really, really quickly. And I know we discussed about, Okay, if, if, if you can't do it quite how you want to do it, then actually maybe waiting 
but a lot I've heard a lot of people talk about hey this is a theological thing we need to be getting back together in the building as quickly as possible because it's it's the biblical thing to do uh Dale what are your thoughts on on that approach and is is that helpful for church leaders when thinking about getting the church back together is is there that sense of urgency uh I've heard this argument that we we need to we need to get back together because uh, from a theological perspective. And I think the, uh, the thought is, is that, that we have been um, told not to, to gather and it's attacking our faith. But, and again, everyone has their opinion, but I, I personally don't believe that dealing with this pandemic is a theological issue or an attack on the church. The whole world had to deal with it. And we've been asked to take social distancing measures due to the, the you know, um, uh, due to what's happening around us, we haven't been told you can't meet because you're worshiping God. And I think that that's a, there's a huge distinction. There are a lot of pastors, I shouldn't say a lot, but there is a contingency of pastors in the U.S. that are like, well, you know, our, our rights are being taken away from us, and this is an attack on the church, and, and this is a spiritual issue. And and I, I just don't believe that. I, I, I don't believe that that, that we're being attacked um, from a theological perspective. I think we're just all being asked to be considerate of other people. Uh, we have to recognize there's so many people who are, who are in fear. They're, they're, maybe it's, this thing doesn't bother you. Maybe you even think it's not that big a deal, but there are people all around you that they're freaked out every day of their life. They're so worried they're gonna get COVID. And so I think what we have to do as a church is we have to be loving and, and understand that the, what people are going through, but I do not think that this is a well-orchestrated attack on our religious liberties. Now, I will say this, though. I think this is. I think I need to say the other side of this. We do need to recognize and closely monitor the situation because we do have some enemies of the church who could possibly try to take advantage of this and use it. You know, their influence to try to hurt yeah. the church coming back together. So I think it's a balanced approach. But for me, uh, we need to we need to stay balanced, but we don't need to be deceived. Is, does that help? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's more. It's actually this. This wasn't shaped to upset the church, but actually, we do need to be mindful of opportunistic uh, people and maybe their attitudes to things. But the, the same could be said of other things. You know, we'll see laws change or things maybe creep through that affect things broader. This is actually a space where the church now gets a voice, whether that's over here in the UK or in America. There's sure. a thing where actually. We're here to represent people and stand for justice. So yes. I, actually, we need to be looking out for this. But I find I found more people fearful of their job and their finances than of catching a disease specifically. Although that is a fear maybe at the back of the head, we're seeing other things impacted because people don't know, you know, if it's the, the value system that maybe they have. But actually, if you've got a family that all of a sudden have had their income taken away as a result of this, there's, like you said, there's a need to be met, there's care to be given, there's the pastoral yes. responsibility of our church yes. above all else. Yes. And we need to keep that front and foremost for definite, because this is in service to people. And it's not about how I feel or my own preference. This is about how we can look after one another. Absolutely. And again, I just think, uh, I, I don't think that this was an attack on the uh, on our religious freedoms, our religious values, or our religious beliefs. But I do think it's wise to be aware that, as we said, some there may be some yeah. uh, some uh, politicians that would see this as a chance. But, but right now, I think we need to be the most caring, loving uh, uh, people who provide the guidance and support, and specifically along the lines of what you were talking about, Lee. Man, there are there are people who don't know how they're going to make ends meet because there's such a ripple effect. You know, just because maybe my business didn't close, but if other businesses close and, it, and there's a ripple effect that affects my business, then I can't go back to work. And so, um, this is a great time when people are hopeless to point them to Jesus. There's a, there's a saying that's, that necessity is the mother of invention and, and we, we touched on the need to be innovative and I'm just wondering whether 
is there any ways that you've seen the church in the US as they've been reopening show signs of innovation, things that have worked really, really well, that have maybe not just been just trying to get back to what was, but moving forwards and finding that new way, that new way of being able to meet the people that they are they're called to reach? Uh, as I said earlier, one of the things I thought was really cool was the way that some of the churches began to uh, just find ways to connect with their people based on how their church is, is put together. But um, I, I think there are just so many, how can we say this? There are so many opportunities that we don't necessarily consider to be churchy, like uh, where you can meet the needs of people. One of the churches that I know of, they provided, um, they provided free child care in their building for like the, the hospital workers and the care workers. Uh, they've done things like go and, and, and provide uh, meals for uh, hospital workers or things like that. They, they provided meals for public servants who, because you know, the people who are considered to be essential have had to continue to work. And so basically they have found ways to connect with the, the essential workers to help them um, uh, just know that they're cared for and loved for. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do, but it's a lot of it's just kind of based on what what you're dealing with in your community. Look around and see what what are they, what's being talked about. You know, what are what are people um, uh, what are people dealing with? You know, John Maxwell said uh, he said people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care, and and there's just there's opportunities out there to uh, connect with people and care for people and do things for people that aren't necessarily. Uh, where they come to you. One of the mistakes that we made in the church world, you know, Jesus said, go and tell, but for a, for a long time in my lifetime, it's been come and find. Uh, and so we've just kind of waited for people to come into our church doors and then we'll try to provide some ministry for them. But man, I'm telling you now is a time. It's a wonderful time to meet people where they are and understand. And if you say, well, I'm not sure what I need to do. Just watch the news. It'll, it'll, it'll tell you, you know, where the needs are in your community. And don't watch too much of it because it can, it can discourage you. But, you know, just looking for the needs in the community that, and, and I think I can say it like this, that are not necessarily just churchy if that makes sense. Does that translate okay? Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that does, absolutely. Um, and on, on a similar vein, actually, I was wanting to find out um, what things, I'm guessing you, you would have been to some socially distanced services in the US. Um, what's been your experience of that? Because I think with churches in the UK looking at being able to start back up, we don't have that, that view of actually knowing what it's like. Mm. Um, so I'd love to get your your experience of that what's been the good and what's been the bad well i think um one of the things that uh that is really uh important to do i think you need to have some extended prayer times where you allow people to talk about what's going on in their life specifically when we talked about the fear of your finances or wondering how you're going to make ends meet they don't need to come to church with this heavy burden and leave and that burden not be addressed so I, I think, uh, especially in, in your setting where you're only going to have 30 people gathering anyway, it'd be a wonderful time for just to allow people to share prayer requests and then to spend some time praying over them. Another thing that I think would be great, if you are going to gather, you've got to change the normal flow of your service. An example would be like if, if you had children's church already part of what you were doing, then why don't you take part of the service and make it a children's church part? Uh, a, a church, I just heard about a church last week. Their service lasted about an hour, and they blocked out 15 minutes of that Sunday morning service, and they had the, they had children's church because the, the the children are actually in the you know in the main auditorium with them. And that was I just thought that was a great great idea um, of a way to you could adapt. And then I, the other thing I think I would do is I would develop some re regional teams. Uh, just focus on ministry to the people in your surrounding community and use your Sunday morning gathering as opportunities to do some strategic planning to help those folks uh, uh, because th there's uh, there's a there's a chance that you can come together and and, and have a, a, a more thorough more planned out approach instead of just you have different pockets of your people ministering but this is a great time to develop a strategic plan or bring a strategic element uh, in your in-person gatherings that helps you minister to the community where they are. No, absolutely. I, I agree with it's like I said, it's moving past that. Uh, we've, we've got, we've seen a lot of churches and we work with churches who predominantly find themselves stuck, who are reaching 
the preferences of an internal audience mm -hmm. as opposed to shaping themselves to meet needs and looking more externally. And I think this is actually uh, you know, a bit of a kick to change gear, look at doing things differently. People, as much as maybe we sometimes do, you know, not like change, like it's all change at the minute. Now, I'm not saying that we, you know, we push things by as a way to get it through without anybody noticing, but actually we need to, we need to capitalize on the fact that while change is happening and people are more open to doing things slightly differently, we've all moved into work environments and home environments. We've all become our kids' teachers, yes. and, you know, all these kind of things. Actually, you know, we've seen stuff shift with the responsibility of raising my children to, uh, you know, into a relationship with Christ is still predominantly my my responsibility as the parent, not something I can outsource to the church. So the, looking at churches who are equipping adults to better do that and finding multiple 15-minute windows throughout the week to engage with my children and with me as a parent, and, and in other ways as well, those who are praying and looking at requests and doing things differently, actually those, those small touch points throughout a week now have got much higher value and allowing, again, the invitational aspect to share that with neighbors and friends as well is, is there. And it's even easier than ever. Um, yeah, I, I, think we, we, I, I think we really need to be aware of mental health right now uh, because there are a lot of people who just put their head down and they're trying to get through all this. But there, there are a lot of people who are hurting. Uh, and, and just think about, you know, what if you have three or four, and some of you, you guys may do this. You have three or four kids and, and you're still working from home. You're still doing your job. You have no child care. Your kids are going crazy. You know, it, it, depending on the, the region of the world you live in, some places right now it's winter. Some places, you know, the kids can't go outside. Uh, and these parents are, are trying to make ends meet. They have the financial pressures. They don't know when this thing's going to end. They're not sure if they're going to keep their job. Their, their kids, uh, some of them are worried that your kid's education is, is mm. slacking off and, and their kids are going to fall behind. Uh, and the reality is these parents are not equipped to deal with all this stuff. And so I think we as church leaders need to be aware and provide ministry along the lines of helping people know how to cope and know how to deal with the pressures they're dealing with, uh, know how to let off some steam. Uh, I didn't think about this too, and this is this is the, the 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 nasty side of humanity. But think about all the kids who are already in an abusive situation who've been stuck at home with that abuser. I mean, there 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 are some really really heavy issues going on, and I think as this thing continues on, we're going to see more and more pressure and more and more mental uh, health issues, mm -hmm. and and the church cannot avoid that. The church has never done a really good job of dealing with mental health issues. And so I think we need to provide ministry and you don't have to have all the answers, just link people with things that will help them. Absolutely. Now, Chris and I have talked about um, as an example to help switch some churches onto these things, you know, the single parent who comes to your church Sunday and in the in-person gathering is one of the rare opportunities in a week or a weekend when then you are, you know, you know, it could be uh, a more, stressful situation with children at home and not a lot of space around you that going to church is your children in children's ministry is respite for that parent at that time more than about what they're listening to or you know having input um but you know we we're all of a sudden in a home situation where you know seven days a week you're just in that one environment is something is something to address but i think there is a there's an angle here to who else in your community is there that you could connect with who is doing some of this stuff well? Uh, opening up churches not to try and do everything themselves. Actually, we need to partner and learn from one another. And if there's a church down your road that's got one thing going amazingly that you're not doing, it's time to actually speak to them and actually partner for the well-being of your entire community. And actually, all of us play our role. Hey, let's go a step further. There may be some governmental programs that are actually good where you could begin to work with. Again, you have to be guarded. I know, I, you know, we, we don't want to, we want to be wise, but I mean, if there's already something in place that can help people, why in the world would you create your own? I, I think about, you know, I, I run into churches all the time who have closed closets or food ministries. 
uh, in their church, and it takes a lot of space and a lot of time when there's already an organization in their town that that's what they do. So instead of doing that yourself, take the clothes or the food you're, you're collecting and give it to them because they can do it better. And there may be some ways that you can uh, begin dialogue and connect with your local government. And again, we have to use caution, um, but I just, you're gonna, you're not gonna make it if you have to be an island in the midst of all this. You're gonna have to work together yeah. with other churches and other people. That's, there's just no doubt about it. Okay, um, I'd like to talk about um, kind of post-COVID world and the kind of the legacy of what this time is going to have on the, the church. I know many churches that have, uh, they don't own their own church building. So they're, you know, they're you know, renting places, mm -hmm. uh, renting schools. And for many churches, uh, Lee's church included, uh, they can't go back to their building for months, months, mm -hmm. months and months. And now they're in a situation of having to think, okay, what do we do? And um, this seems like there's starting to be a, a slight rise of this um, church from home, a kind of an online plus a larger gathering in a home mm -hmm. um, idea of, of church that's starting to gather. I just would love to get your thoughts on that, to get your, your perspective on that. Is that how, are there benefits to that? Are there drawbacks to that? What, what do you think? How do you think that's going to work? The answer is yes. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that, that online church or, or these gatherings, uh, house watch parties, things like that, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the future of the church, but I think it will be part of it. Uh, I think it'll have a big place in our future. Physically gathering with people is always best. But, but because there's just certain elements of, of, of meeting person that you can't duplicate online. Uh, and, and, and so my hope is that we would um, just see the value of having a strong online presence as the future, uh, as a doorway to reaching new people. Um, but, the, you know, the vast majority of churches, and you guys know this as well as I do, are very insider focused. And, and so they haven't had a strong online presence. Um, and, and, and I think that happens because, you know, uh, when we were trained, Lee, you remember this, the, the, that we, we learned that, you know, form follows function. Uh, and, and what the church has done is it's made function follow form. In other words, we, we're, our churches are more passionate, uh, more passionate about the, the methods than the message. Uh, and, and, the, and here's the thing. I hope this locks in everyone's mind. Your website is your new front door to your church. So you can't go forward and not have a strong uh, online presence. You, you've got to have an online presence to connect with the, the world that outside your church or you'll eventually be totally disconnected from your community. So I think it's, you should be highly strategic in developing um, ways that you engage online. I and mean, there's not a one-size-fits-all um, uh, way of doing this, but we need to be culturally relevant. But I, I don't think that we're going to get to a place to where we just don't meet together in person at all. Because as much as I'm enjoying hanging out with you guys now, it was a lot more fun when you were at my house and we were eating breakfast together and and, and putting honey in our coffee and, and hanging out because you guys have stayed at my home before. Uh, there's just nothing like being there together. So I, I don't think the future of the church is necessarily going to go just completely to the small group or the online presence or, uh, but, but the, the early church did. <laughs> I mean, they met from house to house. And so I think the meeting from house to house and the small group gatherings, even larger group gatherings can be a part of your strategy in the, in the future. Uh, and I think the, the big thing we all have to understand out of this is that the Sunday morning gathering, we used to call it the Super Bowl. Uh, it, it, you know, every, every Sunday is the Super Bowl. Well, I don't know necessarily that's true. I, I think Sunday morning should be excellent and done well. But we've got to learn how to gather with people in their homes. We've got to learn how to gather with people individually. We've got to learn how to get together in small groups, which is what a lot of churches have been pushing toward anyway. So I think yes is the answer to that. There's a balance. There's going to be a, 
uh, a stronger online presence. There's going to be a, a, a stronger medium homes presence, but I don't think it will take place of our Sunday morning gathering. Yeah, I, I think that's that that's joining up with actually we we can't just put it all back on a central location to provide an element of program that keeps people engaged and you know coming to church. Actually, that's necessary to get people some initial training, some first steps programs, you know, like the alpha, things like that. They're yep. super important. But actually the bit that makes the transformation with an individual is the discipleship pathway that kind of like transcends just program and objectives that we're doing. That's the thing that starts to happen when we gather in the smaller groups. And Absolutely. I think there'll be a pushback that like the online thing is, you know, it's very just informational still, you know, it gives us everything that we, everything we need, everything that we hear, but the, the, the life together aspect that allows me to disciple, allows me to meet somebody and, you know, thrash out some thinking and some ideas in safety, you know, where, you know, we're not going, it's not about the failure, it's about moving things on, is I, I think it's going to stop the reliance on the church centrally providing everything that we need to do. And that actually Absolutely. some of this can sit with the individuals to do things that maybe seem, you know, out of the control of the central leadership, but actually are still happening in the direction that we want to go as a church because it's about the transformation of an individual and their own discipleship and how they how they move forward and, and, and serve. Well, we're Something passionate, passionate we're, we're, about. Yeah, I was going to say, we're passionate about this topic. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I, 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 I can't speak to the UK, but I can the US. The, the word discipleship is just a buzzword. It's, it's just a word we use. We don't do it. We talk about it. Uh, and we haven't defined it. And what you just described dis describes how discipleship should work. It, it, it is a, there's an individual aspect. There's a gathering uh, in a smaller setting. There's safety, as you said. We give people opportunities. Uh, and again, I want to go back to this one thing I said earlier. One of the elements that we miss in small churches is we don't give ourselves or people room to fail. And, and, and in a discipleship setting, people, they need, they need to be able to try things and ask questions that aren't the right questions so they can get the answers. You know, when I was in middle school, I went to the number one uh, authority on all questions being answered in middle school, and that was other middle schoolers. And I learned a lot of things wrong. You know, because I didn't feel like I could ask honest questions to my uh, my adults. Uh, I certainly didn't feel like I could ask them to my Sunday school teachers or, or people and staff at my church. And so discipleship creates an atmosphere where people can talk about real issues. And I'm telling you, that would be a great aspect to add as you uh, begin to reopen your church is to create opportunities for people just to talk about what they're going through. So uh, bravo on the passion there, brother. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hey, is Chris still here? I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah. No, I'm just letting the conversation flow. No, that's, that's absolutely fine. Um, uh, what I'd love to think about as well is that um, when we when COVID started, every church, probably many churches, may have had a very minimal online presence, maybe nothing at all. Some had mm -hmm. more, some had less, and then suddenly everyone had to go online in you know overnight, basically, mm -hmm. and we saw this great spike at the beginning where suddenly, you know, all of, you know, people that never thought about church started to come online. We you saw these great numbers that were, you know, more than we thought. And then slowly but slowly, the numbers have started to decrease a little bit. And this novelty factor seems to be wearing off. And now we're, we're coming to a point where services can start to reopen. And we the, the temptation can be to think that, okay, the, the online phase is done. Um, but what you said is that, you know, our website is, is now the actual front door of the church. But how should we position our online services moving forward out of COVID-19? Because the novelty factor is wearing off on our services. So what could we do to better position our online services? I think the first thing you have to recognize is, is what happened was is we had these huge numbers that we were seeing that, that were at least looking, and the word is engagement, that they were at least looking at our service. And some churches that had the ability to do deeper uh, metrics and understanding of, of that, they re they recognize, uh, like one of the church that I attend, uh, they know that the average person stays, watches the service for 10 minutes. And then it's actually dropped at our church to six minutes. Well. If I have that knowledge that, that I, everybody's not going to stay engaged the entire time, that's going to change how I do things. 
Our objective every time we gather, every time we communicate is to give somebody a clear next step. It, whatever it is you're dealing with, you want to give them a clear next step. Well, if I know that within I, I, the, the vast majority of the people who are watching my online service or my online presentation or whatever it is I'm doing, if I know that I only have them for six minutes, I know that I have to change my format to make sure that at least in that first six minutes, I give a, a next step, even if I continue to go on with what I'm doing. Uh, and, and here's one of the things that I think is a huge um, uh, eye-opening thing that's happened in this. We, we keep talking about, well, yeah, but you know, how many people are actually engaged with your online? I want to ask you this question. How many people are actually engaged when they're sitting there in person? The reality is this, that, it, you know, if they don't like what you're doing online, they just click off of it. And if it wasn't rude, a lot of folks would get up and leave your service every Sunday. So we, we've got to evaluate, reevaluate everything as to, is it actually engaging people? Is it actually giving people a clear next step of what they need to do next? Is it really helping to direct them in, 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 a, in a direction that points them closer to Jesus? Now, I think one of the most important things you can do uh, is, is when, when things, quote unquote, get back to normal, I would continue my online presence, but I don't think, and again, if I were, and I pastored for 12 years, a small church, so this is what I would do. I would still keep producing either a a, a, a Bible study or a, a devotion or, or, but I would do, I would do shorter versions of that. I might do like a, I might do three or two five minute devotions that I share or do something on Instagram stories or Facebook live that I, I wouldn't just keep putting my service. Please stop doing this. I wouldn't just keep putting my, my Sunday morning service online and say, that's my online presence. Cause the reality is if people wanted to come sit and what sit and watch your online service, they would come sit and watch it. And if, if that's not connecting and that's not engaging, why don't you continue to do things like you've been forced to do like we're doing right now and use a zoom call. Why don't you continue doing that and, and, uh, and provide, uh, uh, devotionals or thoughts based on what people are going through and what they're dealing with. Uh, that's what I would do. Yeah, that's great. Lee, have you got any uh, thoughts on how we can position things post COVID? To be fair, I'm, I think I'm very strongly with, with Dale on this. I think watching churches realize in week one that, well, especially if you lost access to your building, that you couldn't all of a sudden do your hour, hour 15 service and put it out, realizing that people interact and engage differently online and that now we have to think about that in terms of what are the distractions they've got going on in the home and that, that this part of that that multiple pockets to get attention and to be top of mind for somebody throughout the week as you're you know the church creating its own devotionals or leveraging other platforms even using like the bible app you can your church can create things to actually put stuff out there as well as your use of being in people's feeds and giving them access to stuff that's going on. I, the, the importance for me, I think, is always the multiple touch points at yes. different levels of engagement from the stuff that's quite cursory that I just go, that was a great word and off I go, to the stuff that goes, oh, I, that's a thing I could rewatch it. You've only got to look at like how people set this stuff up and where things go viral and the average length of other stuff in social media and online. Even a TED talk at 15 minutes is kind of like pushing it in terms of online attention, um, you know, a lot of the time. But people could talk about them for weeks, if not months. Yes. Actually, you've got to stop kind of like, it's like you, you shouldn't write a book to a word count and you shouldn't prepare a sermon to a time limit. You should say what you want to say, and it will fill the time that it needs to say that with clarity. Don't leave ambiguity. Don't go on too long. Get better at self-editing. Some days it'll be five minutes. Some days it'll be 15. But just regularly learn how to connect and keep touch with people. That, that's Absolutely. it. It's building relationship. Absolutely. That's good stuff. Great stuff. And Dale, finally, um, you've recently finished writing your new book, which is called Stalled. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to hear a bit about it and, and why you wrote it. I want to address that, but there's one thing I want us to do before that, because I don't think we talked about this. We didn't really talk about what churches should not do 
Oh yeah, let's hit that. Can, and I really feel like we need to cover this real quick before we do that. Is that okay Absolutely. with you? Absolutely, let's let's do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, because what, what, should, they're, they're, what, should, what should churches not do? Well, we've got to. Uh, it's very important. I think we we've got to cooperate with the governmental guidelines that have been put in place by the authorities. We do not want to come across and damage our testimony as being rebels. Okay, uh, and so th there's some th there's some things. Uh, Tony Morgan put out an article recently. You guys know Tony, and, and he asked these five questions. So I want I want to ask these five questions, and then I have a couple to add to it, and then and then we can do the book thing. So yeah, sure. so no, number one, what if what if we reopen our church and people don't come back? What are you going to do? The second thing is, what if people are saying they want church to reopen, but they don't show up? Uh, the third thing is, if, if most people don't show up for a service at the building, does it mean we need to continue investing all the time and energy that we've spent in recent weeks to engage people online? And you need to answer that question. Uh, the next question is, after we reopen, this is huge. What is our plan when someone attends our service and we find out later they had coronavirus? See, there's got to be a strategy to reopening. Uh, and then the last thing that Tony said, if you reopen your building for worship services and people show up, will they like the experience and want to come back? So, so if you are going to reopen, is it going to be something that's going to be engaging? I want to add two other thoughts, one or three other thoughts. Two, uh, um, are you legally covered from a legal perspective in case you uh, open your church and someone attends and they get coronavirus? Is that something you've thought through? Are you prepared? Number two, are you prepared to do all the necessary cleaning procedures to make sure that people are safe? Those, those are huge things to think about. And, and then uh, in your case, and this question just popped in my head when we were talking today, if only 30 people can, be, can meet together, but you have 70 people coming, how are you going to determine who gets to come? So, so all these questions, you just can't start meeting because we're supposed to start meeting. You've got to think these things through and have a strategy and have an answer mm. for these questions before you open. Uh, and, and I don't, I, honestly, I don't think most churches, they, they just want to meet. They just want to get back and they haven't thought through those things. So uh, yeah. thanks, for, th thanks for letting me interject that, Chris. I feel like that's important. <laughs> no, but Thank to be you. fair, on, on that basis is that when we were meeting and things were going well, people weren't thinking about health and safety at that point this is just highlighting that we probably haven't got those things in place anyway stuff that we should have but has been missed in the past now you know you know a little bit of a push to our organization this is the thinking church part we actually do have some back office solutions with our church office team that we can help with the health awesome. and safety and the hr aspect looking at reopening um, and documents and what your responsibilities are for reopening. Um, so I would like to put that out there that if you want to get in touch with us, if you're looking at reopening strategies and what that means in terms of health and safety, then we'll, we'll put some, we'll put a link in somewhere about how you, how you can do that and how you can access that. Just let but me beg, yeah, e beg everyone. I just want to beg you, beg you, beg you, beg you. You got to have a strategy before you reopen. You've got to have thought this stuff through because it can blow up in your face. And then, you know, uh, we know for a fact that we've, we've uh, all the polling that I've seen is that in the U.S., we know that 30% that of the people ha do not feel confident at all of coming back, and they don't know if they're ever coming back. We know that about 30 more percent of the people aren't sure where they are. And then there's somewhere to 30, 35% of people who, man, we can't wait to get back. So when you re-engage re and regather, it's going to look different than it did before this happened. Dale, like absolutely fantastic having you with us today. I know that recently that you have uh, just written a book uh, that is now off and sat with the publisher, going through some final bits and pieces before it comes out later this year. Um, I had the privilege to read an advanced copy. The book is called Stalled. Dale, tell us a bit more about it and uh, why you wrote it and what we can expect. So I've been in ministry for almost 40 years and um, uh, had pastored a small church for 12 years. Our church grew from 30 to 300 back to 150 because we had a split. And I recognized that there were some things in my leadership that needed to grow. And so I reached a place in my life in my early fifties where I felt like a, I just finally acknowledged that I felt like a failure. Um, my exact comment to talking to a friend of ours when I was talking to Tony one day, I just said, um, I thought I'd be there by now. 
And, and it was like, he said, Hey man, you need to, you need to kind of think that thing through and, and, and flesh that out because that's where a lot of people are. And so, um, the, the book is called stalled and the subtitle is hope and help for pastors who thought they'd be there by now. And it's to help the discouraged pastor who feels like that they haven't accomplished what they thought they would have accomplished in ministry by now is to encourage them and strengthen them. I tell a lot of my own stories of what it was like. Uh, just, and, and honestly, uh, Lee, I felt like a failure to before God, I, I felt like Jesus was disappointed with me because I hadn't been able to build a great large ministry and, and it had, it took a physical toll on me. Um, and so, uh, the whole concept behind stalled is to encourage and strengthen the small church mm-hmm. pastor specifically to understand, Hey man, Jesus is not mad at you. He's got you and he's going to use you to impact the world. Uh, I actually gave you guys, I think I sent, uh, Chris the link to, uh, where people can re- pre-order if they'd like to. So you can put that in your show notes, I guess. Absolutely. We will be, we will put that out for people to access. Look, uh, I read an advanced copy and there is content in that book that no matter where you think you're at as well, is great to be reminded of. Honestly, I, I felt encouraged. And there was stuff in there where I was like, that is a great reminder, as well as picking up some anecdotes and also getting an insight into some of the really dumb things that Dale has done in his past. I have uh, done some, I am Mr. Antidote and Mr. Dumb, so that works out good. <laughs> uh, that, like, literally, it, it, made, it, made, it made me laugh uh, in part, uh, but there are other aspects of it that, 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 that literally will be a game changer for some people who have stuck in there for a very long time and have, have wondered what it is next, how to risk, how to do it well, but how to stay grounded uh, with your relationship with Christ and how to make sure that that's the priority and to basically stop being stalled and get moving. So that's been fantastic. Yeah. Well, thanks for the opportunity, man, to just, just talk about it a little bit. I'm really excited about it. It comes out September 1st. It's on Amazon. Well, thank you to Dale Sellers for joining us for that conversation today. And uh, thank you, listener, for joining us for our first ever podcast. Uh, We hope that you join us next week. And uh, we'd love for you to uh, subscribe and give us a rating and a review as well. That would really help. And also, if you're interested in getting our free 10-day church health check, then just go to www.thinking.church. We're looking forward to seeing you next week. Take care.